oh, how am I meant to preach after that? I'm wrecked. I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by, by Papa's love. And Oh, wow. I'm going to make sure I get a, a clock on because last time I was here, I kept it till dinner. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Thank you, Lord. You guys are amazing. It really does feel like home when we come here. And um, I love how some of, some of you dudes are rocking the beard, mate. Mm. <laughs> Loving it. I couldn't grow one if my life depended on it. <laughs> Dead set. <clears throat> so it's, it's, it's so great to be amongst family. And we are. We are spiritual family. Get used to this face, you're going to be seeing it for eternity. Yeah. We might live next door to each other, mansions might be you know, adjoining, so, but you know, I'm getting used to your faces too. And that's going to be, imagine being together for eternity. You're thinking, oh my goodness, I can hardly stand to be around this person on a Sunday, <laughs> let alone eternity. God help us. He will. He will help us. But Andrew and Mel, we love you guys so much. You know, the, the heart that they, they carry and, and the reason why we do pick their heart for things and really seek wisdom from these guys is because they've got it. They've got the heart, they've got the, the wisdom from heaven and, and we really value that. One thing I love about Andrew is that he, his hunger to grow and learn more is second to none. I'm yet to meet another pastor that is as hungry to grow and learn than this man here. And why does he do it? What, to fill his head with knowledge? No, to get, to get a greater capacity to lead you well. You are a blessed church to have pastors like this. You really are. You really are. Yeah. <clears throat> so thank, thank you so much, guys. Wow. Also honoured to have some dear friends of ours, Chris and Stephanie. We support these guys. Do some great... These guys have been doing some great work in China for many years. And they're here on a sabbatical this year. And uh, it's our honour and privilege to support them as missionaries. So guys, great to see you. God's peace is all over you, bro. Chris got to say farewell to his precious mum on Friday. A funeral here in Ballarat. And um, that is one of the most amazing eulogies I've ever heard. He had the crowd in hysterics at a funeral. You put the fun back in funeral, bro. You really did. It was, it was gold. Absolute gold. So love you guys heaps. And we love you. You know, we, we come here because, um, not only for a wonderful invitation, but we come here because we want to. You know, we, we, lo we love what God's doing here, and we celebrate that. But you know, not everyone's got it this good. I hope you realise that. There are people that are spending their entire lives chasing something that in the end really won't matter. And that's heartbreaking to me. For centuries, people have tried to figure out what to do with this inner craving that we all have. Every one of us are born with it. We're born to know, how. there's got to be more to life than what I see in front of me. There has to be someone behind this. There's got to be something more that I don't quite see in the physical realm. And it's something that requires your attention. It's something that demands your answer. What are you going to do with God? You might call him a concept, you might call him a principle, you might call him some force like in Star Wars, somewhere out there. May the force be with you. But you have to somehow work it out at some point in your life who he is. And every person that has ever lived, I believe, has tried to come to terms with this inner craving that we've all been born with. What has sadly happened is that over the ages, man has created his own version of God. We have entire institutions built around man's version of God. I call it religion. I will never hold back by saying I hate religion. I'm sorry, I do. Because religion is man's attempt to get right with God. It is man's attempt to try and get something they already have. His love and his acceptance. I hate religion. I've seen what it's done. I grew up in religion. I've seen what it's done to people. I've seen how people have been destroyed because of religion. It is unforgiving. It is, it is so mean. It is so harsh. Sadly, I've got to be honest, some of the meanest people I've ever met have been in church. 
not at work, not at the footy club, in church. And what must the father be thinking? We've created this version of God where these high demands and these high expectations, and we know the extreme cases of this. We know that throughout history, the gods created by man demanded that the people that worshipped this God would sacrifice their own children. Figure that out. What would be going through someone's mind that you'd sacrifice your own child? And, and even some that we self-mutilation, self-torture, to prove to this God how serious, how serious they really are. Sometimes we look at that and we think, oh, that's, that's horrible. I mean, I, w- I would never, ever be a part of that. <sighs> well, in this era, we've got our own version. Our own version sounds like this. You've got to dress this way. You have to talk this way. You have to sing this way. You have to, you have to carry the 10-pound Bible. It must be King James Version because that's obviously what God reads. And if you're not reading from that version, well, I'm sorry, but you haven't been enlightened. We set these unfair and these unrealistic expectations that, to be honest, can never be met. But one thing I want to focus on in our time with you here today is the major difference between what we are enjoying as sons and daughters of Father God and what sadly many others are missing. Now, I'm not coming here today with an assumption that all of you understand this concept. Because maybe some of you still might have a religious mindset. That's okay, you're loved. You're accepted here. You have not been checked at the door to see if you are free from this mindset or not. No, you are accepted and loved. But I'm believing that every single one of you today will walk out of here set free to be the sons and daughters you are designed to be. Okay? One of the major differences that we enjoy compared to every other faith and every other religion is this. They all have to chase after the God that demands everything from them. They have to do the pursuing. They have to do the chasing. Now, you might be hearing me right now thinking, hang on, what's wrong with that? Isn't that what we're a part of? No. That's not Papa. This God that stands afar off, this God that stands at a distance and beckons us all to come is the God that I grew up believing. And was it ever good enough? Did it ever get to a point where your efforts were good enough? Come on, let's be real today. Did it ever get to a point where you think, that's it, I've ticked all the boxes, I'm a successful Christian today. Tomorrow, I don't know. Depends how I feel. Some of you want boxes to tick. I'm sorry, that's not family. (laughs) That's not family. Rules, rituals, requirements, tasks to-do lists. I picture a poor beggar groveling and crawling to the feet of Father, hoping and hoping and praying that Father will accept him with mercy and grace, but never really being sure. Are you sure you're saved? Well, it's still early in the day, Pastor, and ugh, you know what? Ask me at the end of the day. I'll give you an honest answer. Are you sure you're saved? When you woke up this morning, before you did anything, before you even put on your makeup, I'm not pointing to anyone in particular, before you any, did, did anything Christian, opened up the word for a devotional, <laughs> before you even had a cup of coffee. I know what you're like before that, mate. Before any of that, 
Could you say that you're saved? I love the fact that Father God said to Jesus, this is my beloved son, before he even did any public ministry. I love that. I love that because that cuts out the performance straight away. You're saved even before you wake up. Even, oh, even before you came to church. What a deal. What a God. I want to show you this today, and I'll and I tell you, it rocks my world. Guys, when I had the revelation, I'm not just talking a theory of it. I'm talking about a heart revelation of what I'm talking about. When this happened to me a few years ago, I was never the same again. You see, I pastored the church for many years as an orphan. I knew God was a father because I read the book and I did the study. But I didn't really know the father. I could not really call him Papa or Daddy. <gasps> Daddy, Daddy, that's heresy. Is it really? I mean, who did, who did Jesus come to reveal? A boss? An employer? A dictator? A judge? Who did Jesus come to reveal? A father. So if he describes himself that way, I think, I think we've got to get, get a revelation of this. And the beauty of this father, listen carefully, is this. We didn't pursue and chase him. He pursued us. A lady in our college, she knows who she is. She had a revelation of this not too long ago. And it rocked her world. And if that's the only revelation she had in her entire time with us, praise the Lord. Because that is changing her. That God pursues her. God chases her down. God goes after her because he can't get enough of her. And that is the same reality for every single one of us. This truth alone, guys, changes everything. You know God does not play hide and seek. Yeah, I know you're saying, yeah, but hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Matthew 6.33 tells me to seek first his kingdom and all these things. Seek. So I have to seek. Now, what I'm getting at here, who started this relationship? You or him? Who pursued this relationship? The father or you? Who started it? Who took the first step? You or him? Now, you might be thinking, I did because I chose him. No, you didn't. He chose you. He went after you before you even knew that you needed him. How cool is this? <laughs> How cool is this God? Wow. You know, sometimes we have such a distorted image of who Father is. It's like he's standing sort of, you know, all rigid and looks at you and says, okay, you sinners, you depraved, corrupt human beings, I'm holy, you're not, and you've got to come and get some of this. You have to come to me so that I can fix your mess. Did anyone ever grow up with that kind of God? If you grew up in a religious environment, your answer should be yes. Because that's the kind of God that religion portrays. The pursuit always starts on his end. <laughs> you are more loved than you know. You are more wanted than you will ever comprehend. You are more valued. You are more adored. You have captivated the heart of your father. He can't get enough of you. And if you're a parent who loves your kids, you just get a glimpse of what that's like and you know how overwhelming that is. I'm going through a bit, through a bit of grief this week because my daughter turned 18 and she got her license on Friday and I'm already missing her. Dead set. True story, mate. I'm already missing her. Because I love being with her. At the moment, her focus is mates, and I've got a car. Whew, see ya! But that father's heart just wants to be with the one he loves. 
And I love it when my daughter, at, at, it was funny, at Vic Roads on Friday, she passed a test and she was getting her picture taken for a licence. And it was packed. There was probably, I don't know, 100 people in that, in that place. And I hugged her and I said, well done. And she put her head right there. Oh, oh, mate, in front of everyone. I was the proudest dad in the universe in that moment. But I wonder where I get that from. Your daddy looks at you as you're sleeping. He says, I can't wait to you to, for you to wake up because I love how we talk. <laughs> I can't wait to go to work with you. I, he goes to work with me, what? Yeah, he goes to work with you. I can't wait to go to school with you. I can't wait for us to do life together at home. I can't wait to go grocery shopping with you. I can't wait to do the gardening with you because I can't separate myself from you. You've captivated my heart, the Father says. You've wrecked me. <laughs> we use that word wrecked in, in, a, in a wonderful way because that's essentially what it does. We're not the same anymore. Mm. This message I've titled, God Came Running. And that's a strange concept to some people. He came running after you. He came chasing you down. He came to pursue you so that he can adopt you. Not sign you up to an institution or an organisation or a system of religion. No, 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 no. He's not interested in any of that. He didn't approach you and say, okay, you can, you can do some good stuff for me. You've got some good talents, kid. You know what? You belong in my family. You, on the other hand, uh, not sure. Really? Is that how he is? Picks and chooses us based on, you know, you know how at school, oh, do you remember that dreaded game where two captains and all right take your pick was anyone ever last <laughs> didn't it feel awesome wasn't that the best feeling in the world oh mate you dreaded it you dreaded it but the father says i'll take them all i'll take them all i couldn't care less if that one trips over his own shoelaces i'll take him because i love him and that one there you know what bit of a grump but i love him and look at her, look at her, how gorgeous she is. She can't even put a lipstick on right. But she takes my breath away. Wow, I want her as well. And that one that is so intelligent and so gifted, I want that one as well. The young, the old, the in-between, I want them all. Hmm. Surprisingly, we get this initial revelation in the Old Testament. God actually does reveal his heart as a father in the Old Testament. In Israel, to his people Israel, there were many, many promises of blessings and favour and so on. We know that. We read all that. But I want you to see something in the scripture we're about to read. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy 30 from verse 4 to 6. And listen carefully to it. It says this. God is speaking to Israel. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts of heaven... From there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Pretty awesome verses there. But I want you to notice some phrases in these verses. Notice what they have in common. It says, the Lord your God will gather you. The Lord your God will bring you. He will prosper you and multiply you. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart. So who takes the first step? God. He's taking the first step here. It's beautiful. The verse 6, I want to I I um, read it out to you in the New Living Translation. Absolute gold. The Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants. So that, can you see the, the shift? Can you see the, can you see the reason why? So that you will love him with all your heart and soul and so you may live. He chases you down, he pursues you, he goes after you so that you can love him. So that you can walk with him. So that you can be everything, that you can live the life that he's called you to live. But he does it first so that you can do all of that. 
You see, it's funny. We, we have to start changing our language a bit. It's not, I found God. It's, he found me. <laughs> I found God. No, you didn't. You didn't have that capacity. You only found him because he touched your heart and awakened you to find him. <laughs> to see him. But he did it. He started it. Therefore, the glory must be his. You see, guys, all of us are born into sin. We don't have the human capacity to surrender ourselves and become Christians. None of you have that capacity. You didn't get it from yourself. You got it from him because he touched you. He changed your heart, not you. Therefore, none of us can brag about this. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, does God do all of that because he's lonely? Oh, poor God, he's lonely in heaven. He wants a family. Now, he does that because he knows what's best for you. He knows that you being an orphan is not the way to live. He knows that you being trapped by man's religion is not the way to live. So he goes after you. And he moves heaven and earth to get to you. And no matter how worthy or unworthy you feel, that is not the condition. He's captivated by you and that's it. End of story, full stop. Yeah, but, no buts. No buts. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Stop it. Slap yourself and stop it. Seriously, we're going to go sometimes. Stop it. He can't help it. And stop creating excuses and reasons why it shouldn't happen. Stop it. Stop it. Just be loved, will you? <laughs> Just accept it. That you are adorable. Oh, you are so adorable. Hmm. I was saying to my wife this morning, I get overwhelmed when I start preaching about Father because he helps me to see through his eyes and as I see through his eyes, I get very overwhelmed. If you knew how loved you were, my God, you'd never be the same again. You'd never loathe yourself ever again. You'd never question yourself ever again because if he can't lie and he chose you, how great must you be? We just need to start agreeing with him. And it's not prideful to say that I'm amazing before God. I actually am his favourite, he told me. Just so you know. But I hope all of you can say the same. Are you his favourite? You know it. How can he resist? And he says, yes, you are my favourite. And you, and you. And how many favourites can you have? Whoa, here we go. <laughs> That's awesome. Good, I like that. Preach it, little dude, preach it. <laughs> but of course, the most spectacular picture of this, we know it in Luke 15 as the prodigal son. Does anyone else love that story? Does anyone else get so captivated, so speechless when you read this. This is, is literally one of my favourite stories in the entire Bible. You know the story. The young son goes to the father and demands his inheritance. Why? To live it up, baby. To go into the world that he thinks has everything for him and finally get the freedom he thinks he wants. But I want you to get I want you to understand what it is he actually said to his dad. Essentially what he was saying is, Dad, I consider you as dead. Oh, doesn't that give a father a warm feeling? Dad, I consider you as dead. You're dead to me. So I want what's coming to me. Gimme, 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 gimme. Be careful not to judge too quickly, church. 
because we can do the same. Gimme, gimme, gimme. God, gimme, if you, if you love me, you say you love, therefore prove it by gimme, 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 gimme. Hmm. If one of my kids said that to me, I'd probably have to rename the story The Limping Son. Because <laughs> he would not be the same. <laughs> Thankfully. And imagine the father, what, what do you mean you see me as dead? This is what I'd be saying. What, what, please explain. I changed your nappies, you little brat. <laughs> you know? I, cha- I put food on the table for you. I did everything possible to give you a comfortable life. And now you're saying I'm dead to you and now you want everything else? Parents, how would you be about that? Seriously, come on. Oh, no, I'd be all right with it. Really? I don't think so. I do not think you'd be okay with this. This just goes to show the extravagance of the father in this story. And I think your God is bigger than you actually think he is. Oh... I love it when the Holy Spirit just drops things. God is not created in your image. You're created in His. See, we have a version of God created in our image. Oh, this is how God would behave in this situation. And therefore, we extend that to others around our world. And no wonder there are many turned off by church, turned off by Christianity, turned off by religion. No wonder. Because we are speaking on behalf of the God we've created in our image. Does that make sense? I'm going after it today, guys. I really am. So here's this son falling into all this, this horrible, sinful lifestyle. And the word tells us that he eventually came to his senses. <laughs> I, can I encourage you, if, you, if you have any loved ones that are away from God right now, pray that they come to their senses. Pray that they get awakened, they get enlightened to the fact of what they're actually doing. Because when they're in the middle of it, they don't see it. Lord, help them come to their senses, as this son did. Imagine, imagine the boy's thoughts, you know, hmm, this just isn't right. I'm eating with the pigs, and the lowest servants in my father's household are doing better than I am. They're actually eating better than I am. Am I stupid or what? Why would I settle for this when I can have that? I know. I'll go home. I'll come up with such an irresistible confession that daddy won't be able to resist me. I'll say this and I'll say it that way and, and I'll look this way and, and I'll make sure he really knows how genuinely sorry I am. Hmm. I might get punished. God knows I deserve it. I might not ever have the respectable position I had in the past, but it's worth the risk. I can imagine the son thinking these things. If many of us were in charge of the story, that's exactly how the story would go. The punishment would already already be worked out in our minds. You're going to cop it, kid. You'll be so punished that you'll never be able to do this again. As parents, we need, to inf- we need to enforce the law. And all the while, I picture the father looking at the horizon that he's looked at thousands of times. He knows the hills. He knows where the cattle are. He knows where the neighbours are afar off. But every single day since the sun left, The father's been looking at that horizon, hoping and praying that the thing he wants most will appear. The silhouette and the shape of his son. Guys, do you know what the image, what the view looks like out of your front window at home? It's very familiar to you. It might be beautiful to you. But if you're this father, you couldn't care less. Because the only thing you want to see out of that window is that son who ran with everything. Come home again. 
We don't know how long the sun was away. Jesus doesn't add that to the story. But I can imagine it being a while. Because it says he was involved with wild living and with prostitutes and all that kind of thing. This dad was wealthy. So inheritance would have been a significant amount. You don't waste it very quickly. It would have taken a while. But all the while the father is waiting. Maybe today. Maybe today I'll get to see what I've been longing to see all along. Could this be the day when my boy comes home? Then in that one breathtaking moment, he sees what he's been looking for. In that one moment, church, listen, the father's heart skips a beat. The father's breath is taken out of his lungs because, you know, the excitement. And it tells us that he began running. Not a jog, not running to beat the snot out of this rebellious kid. (laughs) Running to get there first. And give him what the son does not deserve. Isn't that grace? I want you to understand something about this moment. Elderly Jewish men did not run because it was very undignified. And the only people that run, that ran, sorry, were the servants of the household. They're the only ones that ran. They ran to the master's demands. Anything that had to be done, they ran to the master. So here's the, here's the father putting aside all protocol, putting aside all everything that's dignified and proper and saying, I'm going to get to that boy first. Why? 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 Would that be in his heart? Because Jewish law demanded that the rebellious son is stoned to death. The community that they were a part of knew the story. They knew the son rebelled. They knew the son was so disobedient to the father and his Outcome should be death. So can you imagine the villagers seeing the son walking back home? No doubt they were looking, no doubt they were looking for a good-sized rock. The father looked at him and says, I better get to him before they do. Because that's law. That's religious law. You deserve to be punished. And let me tell you, the religious love this bit. And they put their hands up first. Can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? This son knew that that was his likely outcome. So as he saw his father running, what do you think he would have been going through his mind? Whoa. I can imagine him starting to walk backwards. Out of fear, out of gut-wrenching fear. That's it, I'm dead now. That's it, according to what we've been living by our entire lives, I am done, I'm finished. So can you imagine the shock that he got as the father ran, all undignified, running so fast that probably his legs couldn't keep him. And as he runs, he grabs this, oh, oh, he grabs this son of his and wraps his arms around him, first of all to protect him and then to love on him and restore him and forgive him. And I love this bit in the story. This confession that the son had taken time to prepare, he begins speaking, but he didn't even get to finish it before the father interrupted with words of affirmation, with words of love, forgiveness and mercy. (sighs) Who does this father represent? Papa. That's why Jesus told the story. This is what your father's like. This God that you've painted for so long in your life as being some mean, critical judge. Wrong answer. That's not what he's like. He's such a good father, he will move mountains for you. He's such a good dad, he doesn't care what it looks like. He doesn't care what religious boxes he breaks. He couldn't care less about any of that. All he wants is his son and his daughter home. 
That's all he wants. I'm sensing in the spirit that for some of you today, it is your homecoming. Oh yeah, but Mark, I've been going to church for years. Stop it. Stop talking religion. Stop talking religion. There's another son in this story called the elder son. He didn't leave. He was loyal. He did all the things that father expected. And he represents the religious mindset. I actually feel sorry for this this son. In verse 28 of Luke 15, it says, He was angry and would not go in. He said to his father, All these years, he said, I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me one goat or one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, don't you love the language? When this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. God, I have slaved for you. I have given you my entire life. I have taken hits for you. I have been criticized because of you. My family rejects me because of you. And now, why aren't you giving me what I want? That might sound horrible but it can be flavoured in a prayer for healing. It can be flavoured with a prayer for provision, a prayer for well-being. Good things, believe me, great things. But if you're praying it from the heart like the religious son, you've missed the point. He owes you nothing he gave you everything he owes you nothing because he's already given you everything and that's how silly this older son was he was saying get this the son was striving for something he already had (laughs) he had it all he had it all but he didn't live like it he didn't live like he had a father who loved him or a home that he belonged to he saw himself as a slave we're pretty good at this we're pretty good at creating ways of trying to impress God trying to gain favour with God come on, can we be dead set honest? can we? yeah? can we just take the masks off? how many times have you prayed a prayer that sounded more like manipulation than worship? Oh, just me, is it? Sorry. God, if you do this, <laughs> then I'll... It's all yours. God, if you come through just this one time because I really need you, I promise I'll go to church every Sunday for a year. God, if you save my son, I promise you, Everything in this house is yours. It's conditional prayer. It's manipulation. It's the religious son. He owes you nothing. Because you've already got everything. Can you please get that today? You've got everything. You are walking in the fullness of your inheritance. Did you hear me? You're walking in the fullness of your inheritance. It's beautiful. It is absolutely breathtaking. When this revelation hits you, you're thinking, oh my goodness, I've been spending years of my life striving for something I already have. (sighs) Doesn't make sense. (laughs) Jesus took care of it all. Yeah, but what about when I sin? I mean, doesn't a good father punish and correct? Well, what did Jesus do on the cross then? 
If he didn't take your punishment, what did he do? I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial. (laughs) Danny Silk actually teaches on this. He actually says that you are unpunishable. Do you like how I diverted it to Danny Silk? Blame him. (laughs) Blame him, not me. You, You are unpunishable. Why? Because your punishment was put on him on the cross. So what happens when you sin? What happens when your kids at home stuff up? Get away from me, you little sinner. You little pagan. Get away from the holy presence. You, do not, you are not worthy to step into this house. Actually, you are no longer a son. <laughs> Yet sometimes we think God speaks to us like that. Oh, you messed up again. What's wrong with you? You still don't understand it. You little twit. That's not the father. And you come up with all these confessions. Oh, I better get right with God. Oh, I better pray this prayer. And it's funny because the next time you pray that prayer, I want you to imagine God interrupting you and stopping you before you say another word. And what's he doing then? He's hugging you. He's embracing you. And he's calling you higher in love. He's pouring out goodness upon you. But I don't deserve goodness. Doesn't matter. You're getting it anyway. And the goodness of God is being poured out upon you. Oh, I don't deserve it, Lord. Good, good. Get more, get more, get more. But what about the punishment? That's not even on his mind. It's done. 2,000 years ago, it's done. He doesn't look at you and say, oh, you're going to cop it today. Oh, you messed up big time today. He's saying, come here. Come here and let me hug you. Oh, let me lift you up. Let me restore you. Let me put you back into your position as the royal son, the royal daughter. Come on. That's where you belong. Romans 2.26. Love this verse. Get ready. You ready? Well, the first row is. How about you guys? It is so good. I need you to be ready. Romans 2, verse 6. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. (laughs) Shouldn't it say the rebuke of God leads you to repentance? Or the harsh condemnation and judgment of God leads you to repentance? What is it? His goodness. (gasps) I just see God lavishing it all over you until you're so full of it, you're so drowning in his goodness and he says more 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 so how does that lead us to repentance how does it lead us to change that when you see yourself for who you really are you never want to go back sin then becomes that ugly ugly thing that separates you or that creates a wedge between the one you love most it loses its attraction It loses its luster, its flavor, its thrill. Because let's be honest, to the flesh, sin is fun. Am I right? This means yes. Come on. To the flesh, we crave it, but not the spirit. And when you get a taste of how amazing you are as a son and daughter, of how captivated the Father is by you, sin is horrible. Oh, no, I don't even want... Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not even interested anymore. Does that mean you won't sin? No, you will. You'll have those moments. Come on. We're not home yet. (laughs) We're not fully, fully released from this flesh yet. But I believe that there can be times of increasing measure where you are sinless can i challenge you how about for the rest of this day give it a go is that possible that for the next few hours of this day i can be sinless try it and then try it for a week <laughs> you see we, we we tend to believe the lie that oh well i'm just a depraved sinner it's who i am no you're not never ever Describe yourself as a sinner ever again. 
that is deeply offensive to the Father because he calls you son and daughter. You're not defined as sinner. So as you... As we're just reminded today of how good our Father really is. How captivated He is by you. You, you do you really cap- capture His heart, church. I want you to picture a God who's running. Not from you in disgust. Not from you because you've messed up again. Not from you because you're not carrying your weight properly. You're not doing what you're called to do. He's running to you because he just can't stand to be apart from you. Can I get everyone to just close their eyes, please? Because I need you to focus on what I'm about to say. Your father will always take the first step. Even though you might feel dirty, ashamed, consumed by guilt, your Father will always take the first step towards you. Your Father runs so fast towards you because he knows that lies of the enemy and condemnation from him and others can destroy you. So he wants to get to you first to protect you from believing any of that garbage. And as you are embraced, as he hugs you so tight, it's almost the breath he's taken out of you because he's so excited to be in that moment with you. He doesn't expect words. He's not looking for reasons why. He's not waiting for a deep and meaningful confession what's he waiting for for you to melt in his embrace for you to know that that is where you belong and for you to know how loved you really are and his goodness as it's poured out upon you over and over and over again brings you to a point of repentance where you turn your back on sin and you turn your face to him that's what repentance means it's a beautiful exchange It is the most beautiful thing you'll ever receive. Now some of you, this story has really resonated with your heart. Because you feel like a prodigal. You feel like the one that has let God down. (laughs) You feel like the one where, you know what, Mark, I just can't get it right. I keep on falling to this temptation. I keep on making a mess. My intentions are good, but I just can't get it right. How must he see me? If that's you, if you I want, to be, want to be honest enough to say, yep, I feel like the prodigal son, can I just ask you to please stand to your feet? We're family here, it's safe. You don't need to be ashamed. Thanks, thanks so much for your honesty. But maybe some of you, if, if you don't resonate with the, the prodigal son, maybe you're more familiar with the elder brother. Because for so long you've lived a religious mindset. You think you have to do things for God and perform for God in order for God to accept you. So you get involved in every ministry opportunity that comes. You attend every meeting faithfully. And they're good things. But if they're done from the heart of slavery, you've missed it. So if that's you, can you stand, please? If you just want to be honest, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And those of you that are standing, please stay standing. Because I'm about to do a reverse altar call. I'm coming down to you. Stay where you are. Can I give you a hug? The Father just wants to say to you, welcome home. Welcome home. You're so loved. Welcome home. Wow. 
welcome home, precious daughter. Welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home, precious daughter. Thanks, guys. Please be seated. Even if those of you that responded to this in your heart but you didn't want to stand, that's okay. There's no judgment here. But I want to declare over you, all of you, welcome home. It's not based on how you look, how you sound or what you do or even your experiences. The Father looks at you with such pure eyes he doesn't judge you because that's put on Christ. He doesn't want to come and punish you because that's put on Christ. He wants to hold you. He wants to remind you of who you are because through your identity, through your identity is when all this stuff falls off you. He loves you guys so much. He loves you so much that I declare over every one of you, when you look at yourself in the mirror tomorrow, you're going to see a different person. Because you're not going to see through your eyes, you're going to see through his. And don't be ashamed to smile back at that reflection and say, Father, I agree. <laughs> I agree. You need to start agreeing with the right voice. Okay? Start agreeing with the right voice, not the voice of condemnation. The enemy has an opinion about you too. He thinks you're horrible. He hates your guts. You have an opinion about yourself too, don't you? Do you? Listen to the right voice, the voice of the Father. I love you guys. I just so want to see all of us walk in the freedom that Jesus paid the ultimate price to give. He came to reveal a Father. Amen, full stop, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything.